Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like the show, rate, review, subscribe, smash that subscribe button. Tell somebody you like the show. We'd really appreciate it. This is going to be a pretty streamlined episode of the product because you do not need to hear from the two of us today. You need to hear from our guest, Coach Dave McGinnis, color analyst for the Titans Radio Network, former NFL head coach. He's going to talk about basically everything, Steve, pretty much everything under the sun. So we're not going to do a whole lot of talking. Um, we will give you some predictions on the rating and the game after the interview, but that's about it. Normally, we blather on about media topics, but not today. It's all about Dave McGinnis. The one thing I do want to cover, Steve, is the the playoff ratings from last weekend in Nashville compared to the national championship game. However, before we do that, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by Jaspers, home of free parking and some of the best food in town. Uh, also, the Gold Standard Cocktail, which is named after the Gold Standard Podcast. So make sure you check out that if you're a Preds fans. Make sure you check out the 440 this week. We have... Five or six different Titans guests making predictions, breaking down the game, covering so every single angle. So make sure you go check that out, uh, as well as Fringe Element, where we're back into the offseason, covering SEC football, club and country, all the great podcasts from Broadway Sports Media covering the Tennessee Titans as well. Music City Audible, Home Run Throwback, Football and Other F-Words, you name it. We've got something for you here. Uh, so we really appreciate it. All right, quickly here, before we get to Matt, because that's really all that matters here on the show, Steve, go to Jaspers. Um, the... <laughs> The NFL playoff ratings, and we talked a lot about this last week, so if you want a, a little further deep dive into college versus pro and sort of what the college game is facing, the Cowboys and 49ers last week pulled a 26.8. That was the afternoon slot on Sunday, right? And, and a very, very good and one of the only good and interesting football games. Georgia-Bama, a 22.8 in Nashville. These ratings courtesy of News Channel 5, Mark Binda, each rating point worth about 11,000 TV homes. The Eagles and Buccaneers, one of the worst playoff games of the weekend, pulled a 21.1, almost the same number as a very good Bama-Georgia SEC National Championship game. And NFL is king, baby. It, it really is. And I think it speaks to how this market has changed over the last two decades. I wonder if that game would have happened in before the Titans came here, what what a big-time NFL playoff game would have pulled television-wise versus an all-SEC national championship, let's say in 1996 or 7, before the Titans came. I'm willing to bet you that number would be flipped, but now NFL is king with the Titans reigning supreme. And again, we will guess on what that TV rating is for that game coming up uh, after the interview with Max. So I, I don't know if there's anything there to be learned. That Cowboys-Niners number is about the same as some Titans numbers. Like that's how big that game was this weekend in Nashville. Well, that that game was the game was really good too. I mean, it, it had it had all the benefits of the Cowboys getting crunched early, and then you had a comeback in the fourth quarter. And but plus, who doesn't like to see the Cowboys lose? I do enjoy watching them lose, unless it's Kyle Shanahan's rushing attack that's going to face the Green Bay Packers. That part of it bothers me, um, but, but but otherwise, you I should, enjoy, you, you I should fear it. that Niners team. Uh, I do, I do. Thank you, Steve, for for telling me. Um, all right, so that that really is all we wanted to discuss. Just give you the ratings for last week. Uh, by the way, Steelers Chiefs a complete blowout pulled a twenty point seven, and the Raiders Bengals, which was actually probably one of the better games as well, pulled an eighteen point five. So a Sunday night prime time blowout pulled a 20.7 almost the same as the college football national championship wow. game 
So there, there you have it, folks. Uh, NFL versus college. All right. Anything else? Anything you want to add here? Because Dave, Dave basically talks about, I mean, his time as the Bears coach, all three and a half hours of it. Uh, he talks about the Titans, the culture, the front office, why he got into radio, how he became a head coach. Pat Tillman, like you name it, we covered it. The only thing I want to say is this. I rate and value color commentators by what I learn from them. And, and the best in the, the, the best in the game, whether it's TV or radio, I want to learn something from them because I feel like the sport is mature. We've all been fans. We, you know, we've all been fans of the Titans and professional football here for decades. Now I feel it's, I feel like it's a pretty sophisticated fan base. I want to, I'm going to learn something in my, in, in the telecast. I see things on a screen and and understand at a, at a pretty so relatively sophisticated level these days. I want to learn something. And I feel like every time I listen to Coach Mac, I learn something that I didn't know. And I learned a lot in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so did I. And I will piggyback off that and add one more tier to those that are great at what they do in color analyst world. Learn something and have fun doing it. Yeah, exactly. Tran tra transfer of enthusiasm is like the biggest phrase I can think of when I think of Coach Mack. Like Tony Romo, I I I'm sure we learn stuff. I, I don't was exactly, about to say Romo. Yeah. I don't exactly get like all the big brother, uncle at the dinner party kind of vibes that like you want to sit down and listen to a storyteller. That's not Romo. That's Coach Mack. And that's the next tier. Like I'm going to learn something and I'm going to have fun doing it. That's what Coach Mac does better than anybody else. And uh, so that's it from us. We're done. You're, you're going to hear basically an entire interview. We'll give you predictions on the game and on the TV rating when the whole thing is over. Please enjoy this. I know we did. This is the great coach, Dave McGinnis. Well, Coach Dave McGinnis joining us here on the show, affectionately known just as Mac, Coach Mac. You are obviously a former NFL head coach, a former assistant coach, a former TCU Horn Frog. Um, you are currently the color analyst for the Titans Radio Network. But most importantly, Mac, just like Steve and I, you are a podcast host as well. Titans <laughs> Amy and Coach Mac podcast. Welcome to the podcast world, my friend. How are you? Thanks, Braden. Thank you and Steve for having me on. This is a great time to be on. Uh, we're all really busy at this time of the season because it's the postseason, which is a good thing, right? And, uh, you know, all of those great time to be busy. <laughs> yeah, all, absolutely. All of those titles that you mentioned, I, uh, I I never expected to have most of them and especially not podcast host. But uh, here we are. That's here we are in America is a great place. Uh, seriously, Titans, Amy and Coach Mac podcast. It is we've talked to Amy about it. It is exceptional. If you're a Titans fan, it is a must listen to. So make sure you go check that out. Um, Mac, just short, let's let's just start with as a broadcaster. What, what a week of preparation is like for you. I mean, the postseason and the regular season aren't too terribly different for you, but no. just sort of what have you been doing the last two weeks trying to get ready for what will be now that we know the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans in the first round of the playoffs on Saturday? Yeah, Steve and I were just chopping this up a little bit before we started. And, and I, when I watch a game on television, I've got a pretty elaborate setup here at the house and, and, and I don't watch it just to watch it. I've got charts and, and I, I, I do it, you know, like I did when I was watching tape as a coach, when you go through tape as a coach, getting ready for a game plan, guys, I mean, you don't just watch the tape. You, you, you document what you see and then you put them into categories and every, every coach has got their own way to do it. 
but you know, and I've got I've got down and distance charts, position charts, uh, uh, spots on the field, uh, and and also chart calls because when you're charting uh, play callers, whether it's offense or defense, and you play them enough, you can get a pattern. You know, I did that. You know, my 31 years in the league, and I do the same thing. You know, when Mike Keith asked me to do this. You know, I, I told him, look, I'm going to prepare. I'm going to, you know, prepare for games just like I did as a coach. And so that's what I do during the week. And I, I'll do, I'll, I'll, when I'm watching games, I'll do it, you know, just the same way that, that, that you do when you're coaching. Of course, I don't have the help that I had when I was coaching because you've got a lot of people inputting. But as far as, you know, you, you go, you go first and second down on, on Wednesday, you go, you go, uh, uh, third down on Thursday, you go, you go, you go red zone and goal line, you know, on, on Friday, and then you, you piece together an entire, an entire game. And then what I'll do is put on the tape and just call a game, you know, call a game, another, you know, that, that I haven't charted just to see if I've got the flow of what's going on with those people. And so when you get a broadcast, I mean, that's what you're, that, that's what you're, that's what you're getting, you know, from my aspect of it with Mike and I, and, you know, you're going to get some goat roping and you're going to get some Ford over roosters and you're going to get all of that stuff. That's purely organic, but you're going to get a lot of ball too. There's a lot of work that goes into it, which uh, when I joined Titans radio, I, I figured out real quick that uh, with Mike Keith and his group, you better be prepared. While we're down here in the weeds, let's talk a little bit about what you're watching. Uh, when, when, when you're watching a uh, when you're watching tape or when you're watching something live, what do you like to watch? Do you are you, are you looking? Uh, are there specific things that you're watching? Are you watching li- like if you're watching a game live? Are you watching line play? Are you trying to you trying to? I mean, obviously you have a lot of experience with linebackers. Are you are you looking at linebackers? Are you looking at anything in in particular? And, and what and what types of film do you like to watch? Do you like to watch the regular feed or do you like to watch the all 22 or or what, what do you what do you like? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, it's a great question and it's a relevant question. The, the first thing, the first thing that I watch when I'm when I'm watching, you know, is personnel groups. Because personnel groups and matchups is what the whole National Football League is about, especially when you start discerning and you start disseminating play calls and what what coordinators like to do. You like to get it. You like to get a feel and a flow of what they do with what personnel groups. And the next thing I look at, you know, I, I, when I'm looking at offense, I, I, I look at positioning and I look at splits. Because they're, what teams do off of splits, because everything, guys, is in the middle of the field in the National Football League. Unlike the NCAA, where, you know, if you're on one hash, then there's three quarters of the field to the wide side of the field. Everything in the National Football League is in the middle of the field. And so splits are what really dictate, especially in the throwing game. But also splits can tell you quite a bit about the, about the run game because everybody's receivers, you know, whether they're whether they're out wide or whether they're in tight to the cylinder, they're involved in, in the blocking aspect of it. So the first thing I look at personnel groups, then I will look at splits. And then what I will look at is to see defensively, not only the personnel that are deployed, but spacing. I want to look at spacing because a a lot of defensive coordinators, you know, which is, which they all do, they'll start out with one spacing and then stem to another one. And I want to see rhyme or reason to stemming, especially in in accord with down and distance. But the, the last thing I watch is the ball. I don't watch the ball. I, I, I like to watch the line play. I like to watch the splits because that, you know, that will, when I was coaching linebackers, look, there are certain indicators. There are certain, there are certain things that you've got to train your eyes to see that will take you to the ball. If you can figure out what that is when you are watching a certain opponent. So, you know, those are the kind of things I do. I, I, and here's the other thing I look for. Uh, and again, where you said you want to get in the weeds, we're in the weeds now. 
I start to look offensively as a defensive coach at bird rabbit keys. I start to want to see, you know, birds, birds pass, rabbits run. I start to see what kind of those, what kind of keys uh, some people are giving. And those types of things you have to take a while to look at because if you're a coach, you don't want to guess and give your guys, you know, bird rabbit keys that have them, you know, just spinning around themselves. You want to hone in on one or two things that you're dead set on that will give you a little bit of an indicator because defensively, you always would like to have an indicator because if you have to play everything defensively as a conflict down 50-50, you're going to be behind. That's just the way it is with the speed in this league. I think that's a great segue into Cincinnati because you guys called the game last year. So you prepped for that team last year. It's the same coaching staff, same quarterback, not all the same players of course. Joe, Joe, Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase didn't play in that game. They of course will be in that game. So what is it? How do you know when you've gotten to the point where you've got the, the indicator, you've got the key, you've got the tell, whatever it is, you've, you saw the game against the Raiders over the weekend. I know you still have a lot of work to do before the game actually happens on yeah. Saturday, but but try to take us through what you're seeing out of Cincinnati that, and give us some examples of where you think, all right, that's something to keep an eye on. Maybe that's, we're not sure on that yet. Does that make sense? Just watch Jamar chase and watch where he's lined up, regardless of whether they're 11 or 12 personnel, watch where he's lined up, watch where his split is relative to the numbers. Most of your splits guys are either numbers minus or numbers plus. And a lot of it depends on what route they run from that in accordance with what's going on on the opposite side, because a, a lot of the, a lot of the routes, you know, that the, the teams are running now, everybody runs the TRCs, which are the transcontinentals, which are the, are the deep crossers off of play action. All right. Now that comes, that has to come with a cut split, but it also has to work in conjunction with what the split is on the other side, or you don't have the proper mesh. So those are the types of things that you look at, but you look at it by down and distance and what, and, and, and look what Zach Taylor does. I mean, I've known Zach Taylor since he was five years old, you know, his dad and I worked together at Kansas state. So, you know, I, I go way back with Zach Taylor. He probably didn't like to hear that, but that's the truth. <laughs> but, but he understands, he understands splits and he understands how to disguise his splits with motion, with doing different things, either, either yo-yo motion, which is back and forth, either jet motion, which is across, or either, either what we call fly motion, which is short and down in towards the center, but never crossing the center. And so when you're, you start looking at things, and as I said, as a coach, you've got to be very careful, you know, as to how much you give your players. If you've got something definite, and when I was coaching, this goes clear back, guys, when I was in Chicago, there's only one guy I ever gave those, those keys to, is Mike Singletary. He and I would work through them together, but you don't, you, you can't, you can't slow your players down because in the national football league, here's something that, 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 that is the truth. I want uh, your listeners to know this and you to know this, a slow, correct decision on defense in the national football league is wrong because you're done. All right. So you got to be able to play fast. So, so how do you then take all that stuff that's deep in the weeds that, you know, we all love talking about when we're getting really nerdy and you're with coaches and coaches meetings. How do you take all of that and then tell the story during the game? Like how much of that makes it onto a, a broadcast for Titans radio listeners? Well, if you listen, I, you know, I always give the personnel group cause that's important. And then I also, you'll hear me talk to Mike, Mike, look, they've got cut splits, which means they're close splits. I said, out of these cut splits, here's some transcontinentals, or if they get in the red zone, look, they've got these two tight ends. They're, they're lined up in a stack position. You know, we're, we're going to, we're going to get a flat seven or a flat corner route out of this. And so if they're, if they're in a two man stack, 
you hear me talk a lot about a nine ball stack, which is a three man stack, you know, whether it's in close or whether it's out wide. I said off of this, you know, if, if we're getting ready to play man here. So you're going to see, a, you know, a, a lot of a lot of a lot of what we what we call press zebra. Are you going to press the point and you're going to banjo or zebra the other two? And if you're playing zone with that, then you're you've got a man over the top. So there's a lot of that stuff that you can watch and see. Now I don't know what the defensive calls are going to be, but I can pretty much tell what's going to happen. Uh, just I mean, I've been in over 700 games, guys. I've seen a lot of it. So defensively, where they're starting to deploy, depending on what they are looking at, you know. And I'm not going to I'm not going to try to be a, a prognosticator up there, but I, I like to give our listeners a little bit of an idea. And Michael asked me a lot, Mac. They're down here. You know, what do you like here, or what what does this coordinator like to do? You know, like when we were playing Kansas City, I said, look, Spags is going to bring heat down here from the seven in, which is the low red zone. You're going to get heat out of this guy. I mean, he's done it his whole career. There's no reason for him to stop now. Those types of things. But again, I've had 36 years of this. And so, you know, there it is. But I don't want to give too much because, you know, I mean, people people want to know what's going on with the game. And I don't I don't ever step on Mike Keith. He's the dude. I'm just up there as a sidekick. One of the interesting things about a radio broadcast as opposed to a television broadcast is it is rare that you get that level of detail in a TV broadcast anymore. It, you'll, you'll get it from, you'll get it from some of the very top guys and you'll, and you'll get it. You'll get like, like people like to call out like the Romo prognostication, like, Oh, he knows what kind of play is going to go is coming. Just like what you're talking about. He's looking at, he's looking at personnel groupings. Sure. He's looking at splits, sure. but but on on the radio, I, I find that you, I find that so much more valuable. That 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 level of that level of detail that helps that helps build a picture for me for what that game is. It looks like since I can't see it. When when you're hopping in and out, one of the hardest things to do as a color guy is to is to do that, but not step on on your play by play guy. How do you how do you get that level of detail into into a call? Well, you know, I mean, you've got to get into a rhythm. I mean, look, guys, I never, I never plan to do this at all. I mean, I, you know, I'd, I'd coached for 31 years in the National Football League, and I was just chilling on Malibu Beach when they called me to, you know, to, to come back in here and do it. And, you know, I got a place in Texas, had a place in Phoenix. I mean, I was, you know, and, and I was, I still had another year on a, on a coaching contract. That's some pretty good money. And so, and, and I was fielding some calls about being a senior defensive assistant, you know, at several places. But at this point in my career, I wasn't willing to just move and go anywhere. Well, when when the Titans called and, and proposed this, you know, I started thinking about it. I said, you know, of course, you know, I coached here for eight years, lived here for eight years. And I knew the organization. Uh, I knew the people, of course, immense respect for Mike Keith. Uh, and Mike Keith told me, Mike, just come on in here and do this. Meet Amy Adams Strunk. You'll be very impressed. And he was right. I was. And then, you know, I, I started. Look, guys, when we first went to do this thing, I flew. I, I drove. I drove my F-150 from from L.A. to to Tennessee. It took me two and a half days. Got here on a Wednesday, went to practice on Thursday. They got on a plane Friday to go call the Jets preseason game. So they had no idea what I was going to do. They were really nervous about it because, you know, they pay money for this stuff, you know? And so Brad Willis, you know, you know, was, was, was our, was our, was our guy then. And, and he told me, he was telling me all about the timing and stuff. Finally, I stopped, I stopped him and I said, look, I've been in over 600 NFL games. I know the timing of it. Now, I don't know anything about this broadcasting, but just let me do it for a quarter. And then if you like it, good. If you don't like it, tell me what you don't like. If you don't like it a whole lot, well, then, you know, I mean, nobody's lost anything here. 
right? And so after the first quarter, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, take off, you know, one of my, one of my cans. And I, and I and looked at him, he said, coach Mack, don't ever do anything different. please." <laughs> and so, I mean, but, but you got to get a timing with the guy. And of course, look, Mike Keith is a con- consummate professional and all of Titans radio, those guys, you know, I mentioned Brad Willis, but Philip Noel and Rhett Bryan and Amy Wells. I mean, those, those people are, are professionals. And so, Hey, when I first got here, Mike Keith gave me a big binder when I said I was going to do this. I mean, it looked like a playbook. He said, coach Mack, in here is every situation that could come up. Uh, this is the way we do things in Titans radio, read it and learn it. And I went, cool. I'm used to that. You know, I can do that. And it came in handy that Miami game we did that was seven and a half hours on the radio. <laughs> I mean, as, as soon as that game hit guys, he just pulled out his, he just pulled out that notebook and said, okay, weather delay. Here we go. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> we were on for seven and a half hours and, and, and Bob Greasy and Jimmy Cephalo were the Miami guys. They came in the booth after 10 minutes and said, what the hell are you guys talking about in here? They've already <laughs> thrown it back to the studio. So that's the level of preparation. And so that's what I'm used to though. 31 years of coaching in the national football league. How many <laughs> stories did you have to tell during that seven and a half hour broadcast? Pretty interesting. It really was at one point, at one point, Mike Keith said, all right, coach Mac, here's what we're getting ready to do right now. Cause we, we had a lot of, you know, you guys are in the, in the, in the business. I didn't know what it meant, but I do now. We had a lot of interviews called evergreen that they had ready to, you know, post, you know, with, with, with what was going on, but we hit, we hit a point and Mike Keith said, all right, coach Mac, this next segment, here's what I want you to do. You just follow me. And, and here's what we're going to do. And he started going around their ring of honor naming off people and then said, Mac, tell a story about these guys. You, you know, how about how they were as a player, what you saw, when they were. Uh, so a lot of stories. So when you you build information, and I've been around you a lot in, in, in preseason camp, and you're sitting there at the, 20, the all 22, making sure you're watching sort of the whole big picture. And then you build 17, now 18 weeks of data and information. You're now into the postseason. Right. How much, how much more does a coaching staff understand their own players, their own team? Because even from – year to year it's different even if sure. you've got a lot of same guys it's different so as a broadcaster same same kind of question how how sort of acquiring information throughout the course of the entire season how different are you now calling a game than you were in week one but that's a very relevant question and, 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 and plus you know it's you have more but when you're playing this team see the last time we played this team was last year right so now, you know, I've got, I've, got to, I've got to go back and do not only their last five games, but go back earlier and see how they've been layering or building their defense and offense as the season has gone on. I know what the Titans have been doing, okay? That's why, Braden, I mean, you're at practice and you see me. I don't stand on the side. The sideline is the worst place to watch practice because you don't get the full view of it. You see me back there with Anthony Pastrano, their main guy. I watch it on their film boat. I'm watching, so I'm watching tape while it's being taped in practice because I can see the high end zone shot. So now I can get spacing. I can, you know, all of those things. And then, then you start to categorize that. As I said, the worst place to watch practice, really the worst place to watch a game is on the sideline in an NFL game. When this, this year has been remarkable for a lot of reasons, but not, not the least of which is that I think what 91 different players have been used by the Titans this year. How do you how do you prepare with that much turnover in a roster? You know, you know, Steve, I, I can't I really can't even imagine it. You know, and as I said, I, I in 31 years of coaching, I've been through a lot of things. 
and have faced a lot of different situations. You know, I was head coach of the Bears for six hours. I didn't know it for three. And, I mean, that's about <laughs> as unusual as you can get. I mean, I've done a lot of things. Got a stadium built, was a head coach during 9-11. Done a lot of things. Been involved in a lot of situations. I can't even imagine this, you know, what John Robinson and Mike Vrabel and their staffs have gone through. You know, not only being able to – make a game plan, but being able to bring people in, clear COVID, have to bring them in, decide which ones can assimilate enough information in a two-day two period, you know, to be able to help you during a ball game. Some of them came in, had to start. I, I really, it, it, to me, it's a remarkable, remarkable testament to, to John Robinson and his personnel group and to, and to Mike Vrabel and his coaching group because it is extremely hard. And the same, the thing that also has to happen, you have to assimilate those guys into a locker room that has been together for a while. And that, uh, and also is, you guys know how critical every game is. And so it's not like, yeah, come on in and, and, and we'll be able to play six or seven games to get you acclimated to this. I mean, it's live and in color, you know, as soon as they're activated. And so I can't even imagine it. I mean, it, to me, it, it, it is a, that, is as big an accomplishment as the wins and as the and as the the, the the number one seed because to be able to do all of that and position yourself like they position themselves for the tournament major major kudos. Does that mean we all know the negatives of all that turnover? Like you don't have Derrick Henry yeah. for eight games. That's a pretty big negative. AJ Brown, Julio Jones, all the pieces that have been missing. But does that mean that there are some things that they have not yet put out on tape that that they can use to their advantage? Well, not uh, well. It, you're, you're always going to have something different. But what it does mean, Braden, and to your point, it, it, let's follow that line of thinking. You've got a lot of guys now that have experience, that have experienced ball games that you never intended on counting on this year. And you found out a lot about some guys stepping up into roles you never thought they'd have to see. This offensive line has only played together for two games the last two weeks, okay? So you're starting to see what, what we had all hoped we could see when this group, you know, came together, you know, at the beginning of training camp. But to me, that if you want to talk about pluses for this, it's that you've gotten guys now, game-type situations, playing winning football that you never really thought you were going to have to depend on at all, and especially in critical situations like they've had to. That, to me, is the big plus of it. Did you ever walk into a postseason as relatively healthy as the Titans are right now. I mean, they they have they have more they have more sort of first choice guys available to them now. I think than at almost any point in the season. Did did you ever have were you ever in that kind of situation going into the playoffs? Well, you know, I'm trying to think of all my playoff games, and 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 there were there are times. I, I I will say this, Steve. Uh, let, let's couch it like this. For the people they have available now it's completely different than what they had available for 18 weeks. And so that's the difference. All right. Now, you know, and so I came into the league, you know, before there was a salary cap and before there was free agency. All right. So we had guys. And plus, look, when I, the first, my, my first experience was with the bears, we go 14 and two our first year. And I'm going, what the hell is so hard about this league? You know, <laughs> I mean, here we are. And plus during those times with those teams, you know, thinking back on it, we, we were a dominant football team because you could have dominant teams back then because you could keep your people. There were some games where the starters didn't have to play most all of it. You know what I'm saying? And so it was a completely different time. And so I, I think the unusual part about the Titans this year is they've gone through a season without 
hardly, you know, what well, they had 10 guys that played every game, right? That, that's not a, that's not a very big uh, a big number, and they they went through one more player than they bring to camp. So this is it's a different world. Lamestream Sports, a podcast about Nashville sports media and business, brought to you by the Nashville Banner, Steve Cavendish, who Jaspers, oh, brought to you by Jaspers. All right. I like Jaspers. They're good folks. Good food, free parking, great happy hour. If you want to watch the Preds games during the week, if you want to watch playoff games during the weekend, if you want to go to brunch, you know, we were discussing on the Gold Standard podcast, uh, Steve, if you could take your dog to Jaspers. It is named after a dog. I don't think we could take your dogs to Jaspers because they're a little too high strung. I feel but like. I, I have well, I have high strung and low strung because I have a I have a, I have a three year old beagle and then I have a sixteen year old beagle. Who would be perfect on at Jasper's? <laughs> I mean, he's sort of he's sort of losing uh, lo- losing his ability to hold things in. He's a he's a walk and poop kind of kind of dog at this point. <laughs> he so maybe maybe we don't sense. want him on the patio at uh, at uh, at Jasper's, but but Rudder Rudder could probably keep it together for he could keep it together for a few minutes. Well, here's the cool thing about Jasper's. Number one, named after a dog. I don't know if anybody, if you guys know that, it's named after a Jack can, Russell Terrier. So that's cool. Can can you have dogs on the patio? At we, we don't. We don't actually know. Um, okay. So we're not. We we should not encourage. Let's, let's not send everybody's dogs <laughs> Jasper's. We should not encourage it. If not, we should have like a dog day at Jasper's. It's just just an idea that we're floating out sure. there for for the marketing department over at Four Top Hospitality, um, unsolicited, of course, on our part. Um, listen, the, the happy hours are great for Preds games, and the Preds are good despite the losing streak. They're very. They're still a very good hockey team. Um, this is a team that, again, $3 beers, $10 smash burgers, totally worth it for home and road games. You got the gold standard cocktail as well. The and Red's broadcast deal is just one of the best things in town. It yes, just is. It really is. You don't pay for parking anywhere in down. Like how many other places in downtown Nashville? I don't know if we've mentioned the parking, Steve, but, it, <laughs> but we, we really should. We really should a year and a half in mention the parking. Let's emphasize the parking today on the show, because if you go downtown, Anywhere downtown that you call the downtown campus, whether that's Lower Broad or Upper Broad or West End or North Nat, whatever you call, you're probably so bro, pay, no bro, East bro, West bro. You're probably gonna all pay of them, for, all the you bros. Might, you're gonna pay <laughs> so many bros. You're gonna pay for parking, not at Jasper's. You just don't pay for parking, and it's a huge bonus. Um, not on top of the fact that they have like an award-winning chef designing the menu and great drink specials and all these great ways to watch games if you're. If you can't go to the Titans game, great place to watch a game and be sort of down in the throng of people. Jaspers, no parking. You got the you got the beers and the burgers. Pretty good place to go watch the game. I'm just I'm just saying I'm just saying go to Jaspers. We'll talk a little bit about Chicago. Uh, yeah. I spent I spent a bunch of time up there and have a have a bit of affection for that team. The, I do too. <laughs> I got an affection for that team and I got an affection for that city. You know, I spent 10 great years up there. Uh, of course, you know, people ask me, Steve, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I did. No, no, no. That's great. And, you know, they, you know, and, and, you know, they asked me, what was it like with Mike Ditka and that group? I said, it was Camelot. It was football Camelot. I mean, if you're, you're a Bears fan, you understand what that was like. That will never be replicated again. And I, I, I'm so fortunate to, to have been able to, to be involved in that. 
And as I said, I mean, I, I've still got great relationships up there. Uh, good enough that uh, I was a head coach for six hours, as I said. I, and that's what I want to talk about. Because yeah, take, take longer than this podcast has got, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you, they essentially named you as the coach without telling you that you were the coach. What happened in that situation? Well, as I said, it's going to take too long. But, I mean, you know, clearly, I mean, it, you know, I, I was, there was five guys that interviewed for it. I was the last, last person to interview. And the interviews were supposed to take place, you know, on, a, on Thursday and a Friday. And then uh, I was going to go back to Phoenix. I was defensive coordinator at Phoenix. And then uh, Michael McCaskey, God rest his soul, then told me that he was going to make a decision over the weekend. And they would let me know, you know, what, what his thoughts were and, and on not only myself, but everybody else, you know, uh, sometime next week. So, you know, I went up there and started the interview and about halfway through it, he said, look, I, I've got to leave to go downtown. They were still trying to work on the renovation of, uh, you know, of Soldier Field. Still trying to land the spaceship inside. Uh, yeah, they were. In, inside so, the, inside he, Soldier Field. He said, I got to meet with, uh, with Mayor Daly. And, you know, we, we had done a press conference. It was part of the interview process. And I, had, you know, I knew everybody up there. You know, and, and so it, it had gone. He said, can you stay overnight and we'll finish this in the morning? And I went, sure. You know, so I said, I know plenty of people up here. So, you know, I had a place to go. And Mark Hatley, God rest his soul, too, was the general manager. And, you know, he said, Mac, look, there are a lot of people that would like to talk to you. Uh, would you, would you uh, there's a dinner set up. Would you go? I said, sure, I'll go. So anyway, I did. And so the next morning I'm getting ready to, you know, I, I figure, and he said, he said, you know, we'll, we'll finish this in the morning and then get you out of here in the, in the afternoon. So I figure by I get up and I figure by eight o'clock they'd have a, you know, I was staying under an assumed name on the North shore in a hotel. It was you know, all cloak and dagger Batman stuff. And, and I said, you know, it's, it's eight o'clock, eight 30, eight 45. I'm going, what the hell, you know? And so all of a sudden I get a phone call. It's Leslie Frazier. Leslie Frazier is working for Ron Turner at the University of Illinois. He's recruiting the South Side of Chicago. I was going to hire Les Frazier as my secondary coach. I mean, I had a pretty good staff put together. You know, I was going to hire Les Frazier as my secondary coach. Uh, Mike March was going to be my offensive coordinator. Uh, Larry Marmee uh, was going to be my defensive coordinator. I had some dudes. You know, Bill Kolar, one of the best defensive line coaches in the league. Anyway, I had guys put together. And it's Les, and he said, Coach Michael, I just got a call from Andy Reid. And he's uh, offered me the, a job at the Eagles because Andy had just gotten the Eagles job. I'd flown with he and, and North Turner, you know, from the senior bowl. They were connecting through Chicago. And I said, well, he said, he's, t he's, he's telling me I've, I've got to let him know now or he's going to move on. He said, just tell me I got a job with you and I'll, uh, you know, I'll come with you. And I said, Les, I, I can't do that. I said, I, I, I hadn't finished my interview. I said, I don't, you know, I, I can't do that. I said, I, I, there's no way I could, I would do that to you right now. I said, coach, come on. He said, just tell me I got a job. I said, Les, I, he said, coach, it's been on the radio. You're the head coach. He said, there's a press conference at 11 o'clock. And I went, <laughs> okay. Well, it started spinning from there. Well, and the rest, as they say, is, uh, is history. Um, speaking of the Chicago mindset, that, that Chicago, those Chicago teams that you were part of and, Ditka and Singletary and all that that defense it does feel like Vrabel has some of those sort of old school vibes not only as a player but also as a coach um, can you kind of compare those two identities and and really what is it about sort of the organizational structure from Amy Adams Strunk down through John Robinson to Mike Vrabel and the staff that that creates this sort of culture that we all talk about now as the Titans identity 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think it all it all goes together, and you're 100 percent right. And people have asked me that before because you know I I, I didn't I knew Mike Vrabel as a player, you know, when I was coaching. I didn't know him as a coach, and when I came here, you know, when, after you know being around him, getting to know him, watching him a while. I mean, there was a lot. I said, you know, this this reminds me a lot of what I went through when I first came in this league. First of all, very accomplished player. But he here's what he and Mike Dickey, here's what they shared. First of all, they're both genuinely tough dudes. All right. I mean, you've got a lot of fake tough dudes in this league. He, he's a genuine tough dude. So was Mike Dickey. And, and the other thing is, is got complete respect of his players because he's completely honest with them completely honest with them. And it's one of those situations as to where he's going to tell you exactly like it is. You may not like hearing it, but you like the honesty of it. And then he's a, he's got a, a tremendous attention to detail. And plus he's a hands-on coach, you know? And, and so to me, but look, you can talk about being tough all you want. You guys growing up. I mean, I know you knew that guy that always talked tough, but if you ever hit him in the face once he quit, you know, so you can talk tough all you want, but genuine toughness, mental and physical, really is something that you don't even have to tell anybody you have. They have that in this organization. And you mentioned Amy Adams Strunk. She's fabulous. I mean, that's exactly the type of owner that you want. And and he, uh, she and John Robinson and Mike Vrabel are in such lockstep. But what they're doing is genuine. I mean, you don't, you've been at practice before, Braden. I mean, it's, he, he doesn't change but he's he is involved with every one of those players, and so is John Robinson. I mean, it's a that's one thing. That's one reason that you know that I like being I like being here, you know, because I like being involved with that type of genuine football. Does it guarantee you win every Sunday, Monday, or Thursday? No, but you got a chance. That's what I like, and it's very much like I knew this with Mike Ditka. I mean, I and again, some of the Saturday night meetings with Mike Ditka. When he would get up and talk to a team, I would go, whoa, I get it. I wish if I ever get a chance as a head coach, I could move my team just a little bit like this dude does on a Saturday night. And so, you know, I've never been in Mike Rabel's Saturday night meetings, but I would imagine that they're all listening. You did get that chance the year after the the Chicago thing. You ended up uh, you ended up as the head coach of the, of the Cardinals. Uh, during a really interesting time, 9-11 happens. You end up losing Pat Tillman, who who goes yeah. who goes off to uh, join the uh, join the military. And, and I know you you've been asked about Tillman a lot before, and, and I don't want to get into that so much. As, as I'm I'm interested in uh, how much of the Tillman stuff and the the kind of the investigation and and, and all of that you followed afterwards after all of this has happened as it shook out you know four five seven eight ten years later no i was very deeply involved i was involved you know i i drafted pat tillman you know worked him out it is i mean it, you know was very close spoke at both memorial services one in san jose one in one in sun devil stadium uh you know was on was on the on the initial board of the pat tillman foundation uh there there are two players i've been involved with a lot of players in my in my career right Coach eight, you know, eight Hall of Famers on it, on it, you know, I, I've, I've, I've done a lot in this league with players, but the two players that have had the most impact on my life were Pat Tillman and Tim Shaw. And, and so it just, and, and Pat Tillman, I mean, we, we don't have enough podcast time to talk about what he meant to me and really, and really what he was. Uh, he was a, a true Renaissance man, but you talk about somebody that was over and above a, a football player. 
And uh, yeah, did I follow? Absolutely. I was involved in it. Uh, as I said, you know, his widow, Marie, his mother, Danny, his brothers, uh, the whole thing had a huge impact on my life at that time, it, then, and it, it always will. Do you ever, do you ever think about, uh, you know, we, we just, we just left Afghanistan finally after, after 20 years there. Uh, do you, do you ever think that kind of, as we, as we've kind of backed out of that, do you ever, do you ever relate that back to, to Pat and what he went over there for? And you're like, well, maybe why, why did we go over there? No, not really. I mean, Pat, you know, when, when Pat, when Pat told me, you know, what he was going to do and he, he, he called me, you know, before the summer and asked if he could come see me and came into my office and pulled a chair right up next to me, not across the desk, right next to me and said, we got to talk. And uh, I, I never questioned him one time as to why. I never, the word why never came out of my mouth because he was too introspective and too smart. Uh, he did it for all of the right reasons, you know, w- w- within him. Uh, as I said, guys, this was a very, very special person. The rest of that stuff, you, you can't control, you know, you, you can't control. And uh, I would just say this, as I said, the biggest influence as just in life are, are, are two people for what they, for, for what they, you know, have, have stood for, for what they went through for Pat Tillman and Tim Shaw. Well, I will try to make a professional segue here from one Arizona state sun devil to another Arizona state sun devil. You had Jake Plummer on your podcast, this, this most recent episode, Titans, Amy and coach Mac podcast, of course, go check it out. Um, <laughs> What, what I find interesting about the game, because Jake Plummer played in a time where like they were coming up with all the things that you're now seeing in the league today from an offensive scheme standpoint. And it, and it sort of started around the late 90s. And, and correct me if I'm okay. wrong, but, but, but Michael Vick you're and right. then the zone read and then we get into RPOs and all this stuff. Like how much of the college game truly has infiltrated the offensive game from the NFL game from an offensive standpoint? It's it's massive. It really is. I mean, it, it, you're right, Jake, the snake, the snake would have been great in all of this. The snake was great anyway. But I mean, first of all, as a leader, as an athlete, I mean, you heard the podcast, you know how much, how close Jake and I are. I, I, I love the snake. Plus what I love about the snake is, is he will only do those things for, you know, two entities, me and the Pat Tillman Foundation. The rest of the time he's chilling in Idaho. Uh, and, and this, this guy, this guy was, was something. He really was. But you're talking about in all of these things now with these mobile quarterbacks that are incorporated into not just running off schedule, but incorporate into it. He would have been great. I mean, because he, he was he was athletic. He was the snake. I mean, he was Gumby limber. Uh, you couldn't get him down. And uh, he was as, he was he was as tough as a pine knot. You could not get him down easy. Coach, what do you see on the on the, uh, on the flip side of that innovations on defense? who's innovating in, in the, in the NFL or in the college ranks right now that, that you're like, well, that's, that's interesting. That got my attention. Well, the biggest thing, Steve, is personnel groups, you know, you know, very seldom now do you, you know, do you have, you know, do you have uh, in a three, four, a true three, four, you know, where you're playing a zero nose, you're playing two, uh, you know, two gap guys as tackles and then two outside linebackers. Yeah. Most everything now because of the 11 personnel, which is one tight, three wides, one back, everything's spread out. So you're going to have, you're going to have to have altered fronts, altered fronts and altered personnel. And what I really like to, to watch is see how people approach that because used to be when I first started coaching 11 personnel was a third down personnel group. Now it's from the jump. All right. So everything that goes on. So defensively, 
the, the coaches and, and defensive coaches always have to be able to counteract whatever the, the flavor of the day is on offense. But that's why I say, let's go back to the beginning of this podcast. When I first, when I always look at tape, I look at matchups. I look at personnel groups, personnel matchups, and see how they're deploying people. What I love to do, I love to, I love to watch all the bogeys. We call them bogeys or disguises that people use, especially with with nickel dime and 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 and, and sub defenses. How they do with with a with a with a, well, you, we call it a joker, a stand up guy that may not be able to be identified as a down lineman that you use in your rush. All of those things you have to do now because offenses are are so are so multiple and so spread out. You've got to be able to counter that. You know, def- look when the forty six defense first came into being, which you know I, I was a part of. It was great when there was two backs back there in the backfield. There was two backs and there was a, a close side of the tight end and two wideouts. Once they start spreading it out, had some issues. Well, what's can, interesting. Can- I was going to say the Bengal, like uh, with the Titans, they don't have to get any, they don't have to blitz anybody to get pressure normally, which has been, been like the biggest part of how successful that front line has been for the Titans all year. The Bengals offensive line is not particularly great and you don't want to particularly be in man to man ISO coverage on Jamar chase very often. So it does it set up when you talk about matchups with the Bengals in particular, do you see sort of a, a, a there's an opportunity there to use our front line to do what they need to do and then be creative on the back end? Is that, is that, Am I simplifying the question there too much? Braden, let's take the Bengals out of it. Anytime as a defensive coach, you can get legitimate pressure with four and cover with seven. However you deploy them, man or zone, you're ahead of the game. It's a numbers game. You've got five eligible in the National Football League. If the quarterback is under center, he's not eligible. If he's in gun, he is eligible. But most of the time, you I mean – You've got five eligible that you have to account for as far as receiving threats. And so if you can get legitimate pressure, not just rush, but legitimate pressure that that gets a quarterback off his spot, that can disrupt timing, if you can do that with four people on a consistent basis, now you've got numbers, okay? You've got seven to cover with. Now you've got numbers. If you've got zone, you've got four over three on one side, three over two on the other. If you've got man, you can play all kind of combination, cut, money, whatever you want to do, you can do if you have seven to cover with. And so it doesn't matter who you're playing. If you can do that, that's why we were so, all those great defenses I've ever been involved with, we could get pressure with four. I mean, legitimate pressure with four. You're right in saying this, with the additions the Titans made, They've been more successful doing that this year. That's why they're that's why their their pressure numbers and sack numbers have jumped, and because they can do that with four people. So that Braden is a is is a good question on your part, but it's not just specific to this game. It's universal. Does that mean that the counteract the the follow up adjustment, the thing that the Titans have to anticipate is what Joe Joe Mixon? Like what? What do you do as an offense if you well, know? Sure, you, gotta, it, you know, it, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but again, I did. So now you and Steve are even. You both got an interruption. <laughs> if the if the box is light, you count the box. You count the box. You know, if you got a, if you got a seven or an eight, you got a seven and a half, eight man box. Well, then you know, pretty much you're going to have to be able to get a hat on a hat. If you got a light box, if you got four rushing and you got two standing behind the line and everybody else is spread out, that's a six man box. That's normally now you've got enough people to block everybody. And especially if you start running RPOs where you've got to play plus one on defense, we're talking some ball here. Plus one on defense is when you've got to dedicate somebody from the third level for the quarterback as a runner. All right. 
And so, yeah, I mean, it, it makes a difference. That's the cat and mouse of it. And look, you don't just rush straight up. That's why you see a lot of two and three and four man games when you have four people up there, because you've got to be able to cancel gaps, create chaos and still be able to play the run. In general, and again, because offenses have have gotten much more creative here over the last decade, can defenses? I mean, you played on some defenses that, or coached some defenses that were that could dictate games. I mean, that that really could just could could dictate the the flow of a game. Uh, but it seems like that defenses are much more reactive now. Can can you can you dictate things from the defensive side of the ball in the NFL anymore? Yeah, the way you can is if your offense can keep the ball. You dictate games uh, defensively if your offense is limiting the number of snaps the opposing offense gets. I mean, that, and look, most of the great defenses I've been on were on teams that could run the football. You know, you got to be able to run the football, and you've got to be able to – what you want, what you have to be able to do, and especially with – look, the rules were are different now, guys. When I first started coaching, I mean, you taught opposed safety to take the receiver's head off. You didn't have to worry about covering that deep dig except one time. And then that receiver, <laughs> that receiver went back and said, uh-uh, we're not, doing, we're not doing that anymore. It was legal. And again, at the same time, you know, you would try to take the quarterback out in the first quarter and see how good their backup was. You know, all of the rules have changed. The rules have changed so that the points are scored. And so defensively, you've had to maneuver around that too. And it wasn't because it was dirty or illegal back when I started. That's the way the game was played. Okay. But now the way the game is being played now, you have to be able to be innovative because it's a wide open game and every rule that's ever been made, except for now, you know, the cut rule on the line of scrimmage where they can't cut your lineman anymore on the backside, you know, with, with, with an opposing lineman, every other rule has been made to generate points because points are generated. You guys are in the, the media business. Points are generated. People that don't know a lot about football know this. They like watching touchdowns, right? They like watching that kind of stuff. And so you got to be a little bit innovative now defensively. You, you talk about ball everywhere you go, whether it's on the radio, you know, during a broadcast, during the week, visiting with guys like us. When you sit down to do the podcast with, with Amy, who's a, a absolutely brilliant storyteller, you're a great storyteller. Do, do you feel yourself sort of, like coming out of a shell and getting to do more than you ever get to do anywhere else. What have you learned about yourself as a, as a coach and a broadcaster doing that, doing that podcast? Right. And I've never had a, a whole bunch of shell around me. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, think, Touché. I, think probably, I think you probably figured that out. Everything, everything that I do is, uh, is pretty organic, you know, and it's, it's worked for me for a long time. Uh, and so, but, but I enjoy it. I wouldn't do this if I didn't like it. You know, because I don't have to do it. I mean, I you know I'm the only former head coach doing it, but but I like it and I like it here. But as far as a shell, never had quite a shell around me. I mean, ever. I mean, I would think you could go back to my elementary school teachers in Snyder, Texas, and they'd say uh, that McGinnis boy, no shell. <laughs> coach, when uh, when when you were when Mike called you uh, a few years ago and yeah. said, "All right, let's do let let's do this," did you have any broadcasters in mind that you were like? you know, that person does a really good job or, or, or this person is this, this person is something, somebody that I, that I've learned something from, or that I, that I, that I can, I can understand something from style wise. Well, really Steve, look, when you're coaching, you don't get to listen to a lot of broadcasters. You really don't. 
I mean, I, you know, I was, I was, I was very aware. I mean, all the games that I would get to watch when I was, you know, coming up and going was of course, Pat Summerall and John Madden. I mean, that's two pretty good ones, but I never thought about it to the point of, you know, I enjoyed listening to John Madden because he's a ball coach. And he was just up there talking ball. But I, you know, I never, as I said, when Mike called me, I mean, I just finished my hundredth game this year with the with the 49ers game, which is amazing to me. It seems like just yesterday that I pulled up to practice in, in my Ford pickup truck, you know, and, and, and started this thing. So, you know, I've gotten to know broadcasters now that I've been in it, you know, for five seasons. You know, I mean, and 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 now it's a good question from this way. When I when I'm I'm no mostly normally when I'm watching games on television I'll turn the sound off, you know. But if there's some dudes doing it that I think might have some insight that I want to hear, I'll turn it up. And so I watch it a little bit different then. But you know, as a coach, uh, you know, when you're coaching, you don't have a lot of time to watch the TV broadcast. the The only time I really watch TV broadcast as a coach is during the season uh, when you when you start watching the TV copies to try to pick up signals to try to pick up two minutes, uh, you know, signs to try, you know, all of that stuff that you do. But really then I wasn't paying much attention to what was being said. Uh, I was paying more attention to what was being said on the field, you know, that, that those boom mics could pick up, you know. So does, so, so does something like the Manning cast just drive you nuts? I love it. Oh, really? I, oh, oh, absolutely. I love it. Because those guys know ball, you know, they, they know ball and they have, you know, that. Look, anybody legitimately that knows ball, I, I love this. Those two guys, I didn't like playing against either one of them. Coach, <laughs> I, I think what they're doing is brilliant. I love it. I love it. I'd love to be on that show for just a squint it. My man, Chris Long, was on there. I'm going to call Chris. He was on the podcast, too. Say, hey, C. Long, get Coach Mack on the Manning cast. <laughs> I, I don't think it'll be a hard uh, – I think it'll be easy get for you, man. I think they'll, it'll happen. Here's – so, obviously – you, you've been a part of nothing but winning seasons for the Tennessee Titans. You, you showed up and we've been winning. This team's been winning ever since you, you got there. So it's basically all due. All the credit is due to you, of course. Um, what, what, um, give, give, let's leave you, let's leave the Titans fans with this. Cause we, we know, I think most non-experts know that if the Titans are picking up five, six yards of carry, it's going to be a good day. If they're getting pressure with four, it's going to be a good day. You can kind of see some stuff early in the game that, you know, it's going it, to, it, that you can kind of play out through 60 minutes. Right. Give us something a little deeper that, that Titans fans can can really look for in that first quarter, that first half that tells you something that gives them some insight that they only got from Coach Mack on this podcast. Well, you don't have to you, have, you don't have to get five and six on first down. Here's what you need to do. You need to watch. Look at look at the third down chains and see if the offense early on is is able to keep the Cincinnati defense in conflict situations. OK, which is third and four or less. That's what you look for. That's what you work for offensively. Check third and four or less. I don't care if you get to it throwing screens. I don't care if you get to it running outside zone. I don't care how you get to that. That's what you have to do because if you're doing that, then you're going to be able to extend drives and then start counting the number of series each offense gets. Because as explosive as as Zach Taylor's offense is with those dudes, you cannot afford to give them an inordinate amount of series. You just cannot do it. The other thing, Braden, I'd say would look for explosive plays. Explosive plays are runs of 10 yards or more and passes of 20 yards or more. Start to look as the game starts to progress, which football team is preventing them and which football team is able to produce them early on. Count that. There you go. 
Coach Dave McGinnis, host of the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast, yeah. Titans Radio, color analyst with Mike Keith, all the great stuff that you do for this community, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you for your time today. Uh, obviously, enjoy the game on Saturday. We appreciate it. Yeah, Braden and Steve, thank you so much. And a shout out to the Titans fans. Look, they came out in force down there in Houston. You know, because of the protocols, Amy and I and Mike and Ashley Farrell flew back on the on the Titans on the Southwest plane with all Titans fans. It was so much fun. Amy Wells probably probably saved me because at one point I started to get up and go grab the microphone from the flight attendant and say on a scale of one to ten, and she said, Coach Mack, please don't. It would cause a lot. <laughs> Thank you, Coach Mack. <laughs> See you guys. That was Coach Mack, Dave McGinnis, and I don't really have much to add. Uh, although I probably shouldn't have used the phrase like "come out of your shell," I didn't mean that that <laughs> way. I, I, as as he so so pointed out, I, I really meant just like how has he evolved, how has he changed, and sometimes you just ask the question the wrong way, and I definitely teed him up for that one. Um, I was really glad. To, I was really glad to hear the uh, Chicago Leslie Fraser story. Uh, yeah, pre- appreciate appreciate a lot him sharing that. That's fantastic, <laughs> Coach. Do I have a job or not? I I. I it also shows you the kind of guy he is. Like, no, I'm not going to lie to you about this and tell exactly. you that it's, tell you that you've got the job. It's just awesome stuff. I really have nothing to add, honestly. Like, I should have asked a better question. I'm I'm disappointed in my own myself in that interview, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed in you too. <laughs> well, that makes everybody. Um, so I listen. We appreciate Coach Mac taking some time during a really busy week. Make sure you sync up the radio broadcast with the TV broadcast. It will be a better experience for you when you watch the Titans game on Sunday. Which leads us to how many of you are going to be watching the Titans game. The high all is is all a number. Yes, all a, all is a number. <laughs> the the high on TV ratings this year for Titans games was I was I think right around a thirty. Again, that's about without doing the math on a calculator, 330,000 households TV households in Nashville. There are how many people in Davidson County? Seven hundred thousand. <laughs> so. Right. So you do the math. Um, I know the Metro is a little bigger and how they m- measure all this stuff is kind of quirky well, sometimes. Well, when, when you figure, when you figure multiple people in a household and, you know, even if you call that number like 2.5 or whatever else, you know, in a, in a, you're, you're looking at 40, 50% of, of everybody in the, in the area watching yep. the game. So with that in mind, what is the number closest to the number between you and I, we are totally guessing at this closest to the number owes the other one, a bottle of cheap bourbon, less than $20. That is my gamble. That's my wager for you on guessing the TV rating for the game. So punishment as a uh, <laughs> punishment, as a, as a reward, as a victory. Awesome. Yes. Yep. Actually, I have a great cheap bottle for you. So I've got one as well. So no free shouts, but we, but we both have options here. Yeah. Steve Cavett, would you like me to go first? Steve Cavett? Yeah, go ahead. Kick it off. All right. 400,000 TV homes? Nah. <laughs> I'm going to go like 45.2. Wow, that is a big number. That's that, an is ins- a- that is an insane. That's almost 500,000 TV homes in Nashville. That's an insane number to think about. I, I was, I was going to say in the mid-30s, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll go into the 40s uh, here. I've been goaded into it. Uh, I'll, I'll say 40. I'll, I'll say 40 even. All right. So 40 even, 40.0. What did I say? 
I'm immediately regretting this. I'd like $1, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) But as a result, you have to drink the bad bourbon. So it's fine. It's a a funny, funny bet that way. All right. So I I think it gets into the 40s. I I really do. Um, This this really is this really is a bad bet reminiscent of like how our mayor doesn't know how to do sports bets. (laughs) Anyway. So are you suggesting that offering another mayor a six pack of beer who's a recovering alcoholic is perhaps a bad (laughs) idea? I mean, that might not be the most, that might not be the best way to do this. I'm just saying. Um, You have a game prediction? So here's the thing. Go listen to the 440 if you'd like something more in depth. But I actually think the the Titans are going to struggle to get as much pressure as people think they're going to get. And Joe Burrow is going to make a bunch of big plays. I think they're going to score in the 30s. I think the Titans come back and win the game on a final possession. I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of puckering up all Saturday long at Nissan Stadium because the Bengals are going to make big plays. Because if you do not get pressure on Joe Burrow and the Titans didn't do this to Josh Allen, for example, they give up big chunk plays. And who's really good at creating big explosive chunk plays? Jamar Chase. Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> so I think there's going to be some moments where they big momentum swings, where they make big plays and Titans fans are just like jaws on the ground, but I think Derrick Henry Willis reads this team to victory. Ryan Tannehill plays well in the fourth quarter. And I think old fat Randy Bullock kicks a game winner, I think. And I think they win the game on a, on a, on a, on a drive late in that game. I don't think it's that close. Uh, They're a little banged up. uh, And, and I look at Vrabel's record with a week off and total points in that in that span and, it, and it's it's a big gap i i think it's i think it's a 31 21 game i think it's a okay i i, I think it's a, i think it's a, a titans by 10 uh but they gotta worry about they gotta worry about joe burrow trying to manufacture a couple of things late and hold on and you know you might get a might get a, a cheap interception late i think they're going to get some pressure i am interested in them against this offensive line because I don't think that I don't think that line is is that great, and and the the Titans have have gotten organic pressure with you know with their front four. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to. I don't know that they're going to have that many sacks, but they're going to they're going to hit him a few times. Okay, I can get on board with that, and I do think the defensive line will eventually make the big play, like they did. I think it's going to look very similar to the Bills game, where yep. the defensive line made a couple of big plays. But by and large, they were just dropping seven guys in coverage, and Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders were just torching them. But when they did get pressure, they made big plays, and then they got the big stop on the goal line. I think it's going to be—I think it's going to feel similar to that from a defensive standpoint. But I like that. Here, here by the way, I looked up some numbers. I, I, uh, I also, I think we're gonna—I think we're gonna know early about the about the offensive play calling and, and Derrick Henry's health. Yeah. And yeah. if you see them put together a couple of long drives early, that is. Yeah. That is not good for the Bengals. No, it's not. Um, all right, I got I looked up two numbers for you. I didn't include. I didn't go back to twenty uh, last year. I went back to the year before for Titans playoff games. The Patriots Titans game. Remember when they went up there and ended Tom Brady's the Drew career? Bennett game, thirty nine point three in Nashville. The, un, the uncalled pass interference on Drew Bennett late. What? There should have been. A, there should have been a DPI late. Drew I'm Bennett. Still better. What are you talking about? 
the Titans Patriots game when the Titans went up there and beat Tom Brady and ended oh, his career. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry, two, sorry, two sorry. years ago. <laughs> I, I was flashing back to 04. My, my bad. Whoa. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry. <laughs> That was a long time ago. I was in college, Steve, when that happened. Um, you need to let it go. I'm just saying you need to let I'm, it go. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding on to something. Sorry. Um, that was I a completely, completely uh, blasted past that. That was a 39.3 two years ago. The Ravens, when they beat the Ravens to move on to the AFC championship, it pulled a 42.3 here in Nashville. So that was the Lamar Jet where they beat Lamar Jackson. Uh, that was actually my brother-in-law's that wedding. Was- that was the that was the eat shit Earl uh, game, wasn't it? Yes, yes, I believe so. Forty two point three. So that's right in the middle of our two guesses. So this is now a one seed at home. I, I, I'm feeling better about my guess now. I'm feeling better. That's a good guess. I mean, it is. It is. Four hundred and sixteen thousand Nashville households watch the Titans Ravens game, <laughs> and I think they're more incredible. I actually think you're going to get it because yes, I think people are going to be so jacked up to see Derrick Henry play. I love cheap, shitty bourbon. Uh, All right. It's going to be a great weekend. Thank you guys so much for listening, of course. Thanks to Jaspers for being our great sponsor. Go to Jaspers. Great parking. uh, Great food. Great happy hours. Great everything. Go to Jaspers. Uh, Of course, special thanks to Coach Mac, Dave McGinnis, for joining us. Sync up that radio broadcast. It's totally worth it. Steve Cavendish, where can people find you? You can find me on the socials at Scavendish on Twitter and Instagram. Braden, where can they find you? At at Braden Gall. I just bathe in the sewers, baby, all day long. Uh, Can't wait for this weekend. Going to be a ton of fun. I will be very stressed on Saturday as a Nashvillian and Packers fan. It will be a very difficult day for me. So uh, hide your kids. Football's coming. Hide your kids. Hide your kids. Football's coming this weekend. Uh, Thank you guys all for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. This has been Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.